Hi, this is a production of Community Covenant Church in Eagle River, Alaska, where our mission is to bring Christ's hope, healing, and wholeness to our community and to our world. Our service times are 9 and 11 each Sunday morning. Find out more at www.communitycovenant.net. So we've been in a series called Evangelism Without Additives. It's kind of based out of this book a little bit. And really what it's about, it's reframing evangelism to help us get past the mental images and baggages we have sometimes when we think about evangelism, okay? You don't just have to be Billy Graham. That's in a nutshell, all right? Specifically, this week is on chapter 6. We're looking at how we can evangelize by listening, by giving people our attention. And so I think uh, maybe a week or two, uh, Pastor Todd, I talked to David about sharing just a little bit from his life experience and work along that topic. So thanks, David. This is David Hamm, by the way. Give him a big round of applause. Drummer, thanks. Thank you. Praise God. Uh, man, he's so good. So um, I made the mistake of uh, telling, uh, volunteering and telling Todd I could share, and so here I am. So, most of you know me as the drummer here. I play on the worship team, drums, and uh, I really love doing that. I've been doing it for 19 years here uh, that we've been going to the church. Um, I'm very thankful and fortunate to uh, count Aaron uh, Shepherdham as my wife for almost 24 years, and I'm a father to Skyler and Graceland, who are 19 and 16. I've been blessed with two great jobs. I'm a captain in Alaska Airlines, where I've uh, been a pilot for the last 12 years. And I also serve in the Air National Guard. And so I've had an almost 24-year career, active duty and in the Air National Guard. And a side note, what I'm really excited about is a week from now I'm going to be retiring. So I'm looking forward to that. So thanks. Uh, So Evangelism Without Additives, that's the book we're going through, and Evangelizing With Your Ears. It's talking about uh, listening. Uh, Instead of being the person that preaches to other people, listen and um, listen for their concerns, ask them questions. Jesus uh, uh, often asks questions. Um, So that's what the chapter is about. Um, So here's um, my testimony uh, from uh, some experience that I've had. Uh, with a job that I was given in the Air National Guard. So about nine years ago, I was given my first command, and uh, I was put in charge of the maintenance operations flight. And so um, this organization that I was given was uh, pretty dysfunctional at the time. It was very uh, critically undermanned. Uh, It wasn't performing very well, and um, so it needed to be turned around, and I was given that that opportunity. (laughs) So... My job as a commander, and anybody that's in command, uh, basically your, your primary job is to ensure mission accomplishment or mission performance. So uh, I knew that I needed to enact or try to change the culture of the organization. And the way I chose to do that was to uh, invest in the people. And so that's, that's really what I got out of the chapter in this book today is uh, putting others first, listening to them versus, you know, just talking about yourself kind of a thing. So as a commander, um, I felt if I put the people first, if I served them, if I looked to their needs and took care of them, they would um, that would change the culture and take care of the, um, end up 
at that point, they would take care of the mission um, if they were being taken care of. So could we put that quote up on the uh, screen? So this is something that's, that stuck out to me as I was reading the book um, this week. It says, if you influence others, if you want to influence others, you first need to earn their trust. Listening carefully to someone increases that person's trust in you, and the people won't allow you to influence them if uh, they don't trust you. So I've read that in other books. If you read books on leadership, uh, you'll find that that's a common theme. And so I felt like if I got up in front of people and said the right things, that I would establish that trust. You know what I found? Uh, one of the lessons I learned is it took a long time. So it took a long time to establish that relationship and, and earn people's trust. So in this job that I was given, I was given authority over people. And, um, you know, you read in the Bible about how all authority is uh, in Christ and God establishes kings and rulers. And so I wasn't, you know, a, a ruler of a nation, but I was given authority over people. And so I felt like this was a divine appointment for me, and I wanted to honor God in the job that I was given. Um, so I spent a lot of time in prayer, and uh, I was very fortunate in that. The, uh, so the, my job, I was a part-time employee. In the, I, was, I was a commander, but I was there part-time. And uh, my full-time counterpart that I worked with is also a very strong Christian and so the thing that we would do uh, on about once a week, I would go into the guard, and the thing that we would do is uh, meet in the morning before the day started, and uh, we would go over the events that had been happening recently, and, and then we would pray. And so we would spend, I don't know, probably 20, 30 minutes, and we would pray before the day started, and we would pray for our people, we would pray for the mission, and then we would go forth and, uh, and do our job that we had to do for the day. But the the prayer that I prayed most often, and it's a fairly simple prayer, um, I, uh, I asked God to show us the work that he had for us to do that day and to give us the strength and the courage to do it. So what is what is that work that's out there? Because, you know, um, you don't always know what's going to happen uh, through the day. But And what I found was that oftentimes, through very often, uh, people would come to me and they would present, you know, whatever whatever the issues were that they were going through. Um, and it, I had opportunities to speak either just the truth, you know, and, and say something that was truth that's, you know, in the Bible. Or sometimes it was sharing my faith and uh, sharing my experience. And so, uh, and it seemed to me like it was afterwards, you know, after I'd had those conversations and after I'd had that opportunity to listen and to speak into other people's lives, that at that point God uh, showed me, <laughs> he told me, hey, that's the work that I had for you to do. So, uh, it, man, it was, uh, he made it easy. So it, it, it wasn't always easy situations, but it, he made it easy for me to share. So... Um, so that's the thing that I would say to you is um, my testimony is if you if you and I know that not everybody's that has the fortune that I had to uh, have another coworker that they can pray into their day. Um, but even if it's just yourself, pray into the day. Um, ask God to uh, show you the work that He has, and uh, if there's work that He's doing, He's going to bless it. Um, and uh, He'll help you join in with that work. The end state. So what happened? Uh, 
By the time I was done with my command and moved on to the next job, uh, our undermanned unit was fully manned. I had more people coming to the organization and saying, hey, I want to work for you guys. And, um, and uh, it was operating, uh, I mean, it's functional. It was uh, meeting the mission, things that turned around. So God, that's my testimony um, of what God did uh, through prayer. So. Mm. Thank you, David. Well, good morning. Isn't that good to have people in our world that want to honor God in their job? So, thank you, David, for sharing and challenging all of us that God's put us in positions. And if we take that attitude of, how do I honor God with the authority He's given me? That's a, that's a great posture. So we are uh, continuing in this series, and um, we're going to look at a, a very familiar story to a lot of you if you've read Scripture, and we're not going to do it justice. So that's the hard part of having these awesome texts, uh, and we're going to look at the woman at the well in John, and how Jesus used presence and listening to really bring uh, life to someone. And so... Let's go ahead and dive in. You can follow along on the screens or your Bible if you have one of those things or a device, Bible on your phone. But John 4, we'll we'll begin in verse 1. Now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Although in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized but his disciples. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he he came to the town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have given him the uh, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I will give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is that you have had five husbands, and the man you are now with is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors 
worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is Spirit, and His worshipers must worship Him in Spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming. When He comes, He will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am He. Just then, His disciples returned and were surprised to find Him talking with a woman. But no one asked, What do you want? Or why are you talking with her? Then, leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. There's a lot in this passage. But part of why we wanted to use the whole thing is to illustrate Jesus relating. Uh, As Christians, we want to follow him. And so we want to learn a little bit about what is happening and what did Jesus do and how can we evangelize with our ears. So, what was happening? Jesus said he had to go through Samaria. He had to go through Samaria. And is that true? Probably not. We don't know. Most Jews went around Samaria. (laughs) And so, who are Samaritans? And what was the big deal about them that most Jews would go around Samaria? And I don't know. I think maybe it was last year, a couple years ago, we we did a, a lesson on the Good Samaritan. And at that time, a Samaria used to be the capital of the northern kingdom of Israel. These are distant relatives of Jews. They are part Jew. But they're no longer Jewish enough for the Jews to trust them or to like them because they sold out and mixed and changed. But it's part of their history. These legitimately are likely cousins But it's a racial and ethnic deal now. There's some division, and so Jews would just prefer to go around and go on their way. And I have a map that'll show. Um, But if Jesus wanted to reach Samaritans, where would he need to go? Samaria. So that's the first thing that we can take as message bearers. If if we want to reach people, we need to go where they are. And, uh, and even if it's people that we don't find convenient or we might normally avoid, Jesus had no problem going to those places. So here's the map. And the red, the red line shows the normal route that Jews would take between Judea and Galilee. Now Jesus went straight up, and that right in the middle there is Sychar, where he stopped. All right. So what do we learn? One of the things we learn is the timing of everything indicates she was an outcast. It was noon. That's the heat of the day. And um, so I think she probably felt like an outcast on many levels. Number one, her gender. She brings that up. And her race. But then I think because of the time of day, she wasn't there with other women. 
Uh, she wasn't probably uh, embraced by Samaritan women. She was outcast from her own people and her own gender. So there was a lot of pain, I would believe, in this woman's story. And she just wants to sneak into the well, not be hassled. Uh, in the heat of the day is better than going in the morning. It's probably like uh, combat netting on the Kenai. When someone brings a fish in and you try to put your net out and no one will let you in. Have you ever been there? They just elbow you out. If you're not in the group, you don't belong and don't even try. And so it probably was, it was a little bit more harsh than that. She was probably letting know that she wasn't welcome. But Jesus really defies these rules. He shatters social norms and these religious rules. And, and I think the question, she brings it up. Why are you talking to me? Don't you know I'm a Samaritan woman? So we can see in the text, was there an issue about a rabbi talking to a woman? So I had to ask myself that question. Is that a Levitical law? No, it's not. <laughs> but it become a normative religious law made by Pharisees or whomever was very religious, that you don't talk to women. And then the, the cultural law was we don't, Jews don't talk to Samaritans. So Jesus is like, you know what? Would you give me some water? I'm thirsty. I, I can connect with you. And I, I think the question that is really interesting to think about is the way she feels like an outcast. She feels different. She feels like she doesn't belong. And I think Jesus is saying in a different way, who says that you're different? Who says that you don't belong? Who says? I mean, we all, a lot of us have that same question in our own stories. Just this week, I was listening uh, to a, a counselor and, a, and a, talking to a, a young adult. And he asked that same question. Who says that you were different? And the pain of that question, to feel different, drives us to do all kinds of broken stuff. To think that we don't belong. Well, I'm going to find belonging somewhere. So it's a real serious matter. Um, and as Christians, so to use our ears, number one, we need to know where we're getting our cues. Are we getting our cues from Jesus when we interact with people? And because if you notice, we're not going to unpack the whole story, but Jesus doesn't lead with his stance on how many husbands she's had. He doesn't let her know, I don't agree with this, or you need to change this before you can come to me. He leads with love. And so uh, what about us and our interaction with people and brokenness? Are we getting our cues from even religious leaders that don't walk in the way of Jesus? That can happen. It happened in this instance. These were people trying to follow God. And they made a rule. Rabbis or men don't talk with women. That is nowhere in Scripture as far as in the Old Testament that I found. And you could correct me. But it wasn't a Levitical law at all. Yet it had become the norm. And so for you and I, we need to really pay attention to where we get our cues as we interact with people. Um, and then if we find one that doesn't fit, 
our Lord, are we willing to, to follow him rather than our culture? And that's where, you know, uh, having the courage, what David prayed for every day, what's the work for the day? And give me the courage to do it. There's going to be times when we stand up for someone and we embrace someone that no one else will. I love it when I see youth do that. I love seeing the person who includes the outsider. One of our uh, youth feels more comfortable. She, she often doesn't feel a part of the group. And so what she'll do is she'll just look for people that feel like they don't belong and she'll go make community with them. It's like, man, that's really cool. I need to do more of that. And so... That's part of, so the part of the evangelizing with our ears is a ministry of presence, being there, not with a message, but, but giving belonging to others. Does that make sense? Uh, so it, it's a posture of other-centeredness. We're not message-centered, we're not self-centered, but we're saying you matter, and you matter to God, so you matter to me. So that's, that's part of the this, the, the cue that we want to take this morning. All right. Um, so the positive is uh, the act of giving people unexpected attention really opens them up. It communicates value. So when you have a chance, and what this means is, you know, we have to realize when God is putting me, this person in my life, and it might be inconvenient, or someone I'd rather avoid, but here they are, and here I am. And to give them my presence, and to just really want to hear who they are, what they have to say. And in the case of Jesus, he was able to take their situation, thirst, and talk about her real need of finding only he could quench the thirst that she has, that has driven her all over the place. So there might even be a chance to talk about that. Um, so let's see where we are time wise Uh, let me run through the slide it'll be a little bit of a follow up here so the next one Jesus led with love so I already mentioned that but in talking to her he does bring up truth but he doesn't give his stance on it like uh you know, that's not good. Or, I, I think she knows. I think most people doing broken things, when I do broken things, I know. Someone doesn't have to usually tell me. Sometimes I'm blind to what I'm doing. I don't think this was a blind spot. We do have blind spots. But Jesus led with love, not with his stance or position. And then Jesus used their circumstance to to talk about um, and ask the question, you know, if if you knew who I was, you'd ask me for a drink and I'd give you the water that would really satisfy you. I would give you the thing that would change your life so that you wouldn't look for the man or whatever the reason why she had five husbands. She's looking for the right one. And, you know, ladies, newsflash, we're not out there. <laughs> who you need is Jesus. Men, same thing. The lady isn't out there uh, that's going to give you the life that you seek. It's only found in Christ. So the thirst we have comes from him and is satisfied by him. That's why we give water bottles to our, our high school seniors. 
They're going out into a world and we have thirst. We're going to try to find life. And I, the pressure to fit in drives so many of our youth into broken places. Life is found in Him. Our identity, everything we really need is found in Him. But it's so hard to hold on to that when there's painful voices saying, you know, you're different. You don't belong unless you do X, Y, and Z. Or it's reinforced on uh, social media. All right. So, with evangelizing in it with our ears, the, she try, if you notice in the story, she tries to go into a debate with Jesus. You know, you guys say we worship here, but we need to worship in Jerusalem. Um, who's, she's, she's talking about the most religious things she can. So when someone brings up a religious conversation or tries to go, they may not even say it right. So our posture needs to be, what is someone trying to ask or what is someone trying to say? Not, oh, I have every answer in my pocket. I'm ready. I turned that off. There we go. Um, Our posture needs to be, uh, what is someone trying to say? Even if they don't say it well, what are they trying to ask? Um, You know, I read an article in the old Navigator's magazine, Discipleship Journal, and it talked about asking good questions. And the author had had, uh, been asked a question by someone, so what about that uh, Virgin Mary anyway? That was how someone started a religious conversation with them. Do you think the person really wanted to know about the Virgin Mary? Probably not most deeply, but they're trying to start a conversation. And this person, and this is what I would encourage us to do, is to answer with another question. Wow, that's a fascinating comment or question. Where is that coming from? What, what does that mean for you? What, what are you trying to understand? We really, as Christians, need to, to resist taking the bait of de- debating with others. Uh, Logic isn't going to win someone into the kingdom all the time. We do, I'm not advocating that we set aside reason. Not at all. But I would say, let's listen first. Let's be quick to listen. Slow to speak. Slow to become angry. Um, the, the, next, the next thing I think with evangelizing with our ears is, and this is probably my biggest struggle with painful things. And so when you come across brokenness, depending on how close it is in your relationship circles, I can be a really reactive communicator. So if someone's throwing me attitude or I perceive like they're attacking me or uh, maybe it's something that just plain hurts, it gets me into the spot where I'm no longer trying to connect with them. I want to be understood. And I'm a reactive communicator. So... This happens in my marriage. <laughs> uh, and you know what happens? It, our, our marriage goes a lot better when I'm not a reactive communicator. And I think with our people that we come across, if we are not reacting to the stimulus that's in front of us, but we can respond, we can be very Christ-like and, and try to hear what someone's trying to say. One of the most, the deepest felt needs someone has is just to be heard. Uh, truly, if someone, 
feels heard, their emotions about a topic is going to drain down to where you could actually have a conversation. But if they don't feel heard, anger is going to shoot through the roof because they just feel trapped and there's nowhere to go, especially if they're trying to communicate with you and I. So evangelizing with our ears is, is tricky. Uh, you may want to correct, you might want to minimize, you might want to justify your position. Interpersonally, I can be a, a very unclear communicator, and so I often feel misunderstood, and I want, I want you to understand what I'm trying to say. But really, when I take the time to understand what someone else is trying to say to me, it creates opportunity for connection. There's your salvation bell right there. So, a little review. Evangelizing with our ears, give your presence. This is a ministry of presence, being with people. Jesus went intentionally to Samaria. Maybe he was late and had to go in a straight line. Could have been. But if you also want to reach Samaritans, you've got to go to Samaria. We've got to go to those places that others won't go. Uh, check whose playbook you and I are getting our cues from. There's a lot of bad playbooks in our nation right now, but we have a great one. <laughs> we could follow in the way of Jesus. We don't have to be dividers. We don't, as followers of Jesus, we don't want to create more outcasts. That's just not what he did, did and that's not who he is. So there might be a correction for us in where we're, our attitude toward others and their brokenness. And partly because uh, we are broken as well. You know, none of us have it all together. And so God's grace, I love how it was said last week, grace is messy. God gives me what I don't deserve already. I'm a part of this messy story. Give dignity to all. I think that's part of what Jesus did. And we didn't really talk about gender and, and women, but uh, that's a big deal. There's a lot of women that don't feel they're treated as equal. Now, there's a difference between equality and sameness. Our country wants to make masculinity and femininity sameness. It absolutely needs to be equal. But we're not the same. I would say we're not the same at all. But we are made in God's image. Man and woman is God's image, not men only. So gender is a big deal. Uh, and even in the church. So I won't go into that. But there was recently a Gospel Coalition article written uh, that was fantastic to come, especially from that group, <laughs> uh, really repenting and lifting up the role and worth of women. I was really encouraged by that. So seek to hear what is being said and refuse to communicate reactively. We could really change our dynamics around us. Well, the last thing, as a pastoral, pastor heart, I would love for you, we cannot give what we do not have. So if you are haunted by the question, who says you're different? Who says you're, you don't belong? Today's a good day to have healing, to pursue peace, to not be driven to the edges and to broken places, to believe what God says is true about you. 
We can't give what we don't have. So if we want to evangelize, what are we doing? This is the the invitation for freedom for you and I too. Jesus came for all of us. And he likes you. He loves you. The Father loves his children. And especially as we think about Mother's Day, it's this day of joy and sorrow. Absolute joy celebrating mothers. And then there's this un fulfilled longing that many women have that weren't able to have kids or lost kids. So it's two things. But who says you're not valuable? It's not God. So would we come to the one who give, can give us water that quenches our thirst? Let me pray. Father, thank you that you sent your son for us. That he came and broke social rules, religious rules that didn't line up with who you are and who your heart is. And you came for me and you came for all of us. Would we be quick to listen, quick to receive from you, and to really see others and try to hear what they're trying to say? And help us connect, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.